It's Judy Gold, and you're listening to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. And I'm the host because it's called Kill Me Now with Judy Gold, and I'm Judy Gold. Anyway, so excited that you're here. I'm excited for part one of my uh, interview with Jackie Cation. But I just want to let you know that before we begin, I have some dates on the books, and you need to come see me. Uh, I'm going to be in Aruba December, uh, I guess it would be the 13th. 15th and 17th, those are the days I'm doing shows, although on the days off I will be doing other things. And on Christmas Day, I'll be at Stand Up New York in New York City, 7.30 show, and come see me in Carmel, Indiana. That's right, on January 15th, Carmel, Indiana at Feinstein's, and FYI, it'll be fucking freezing. So, hope to see you live and in person. Thank you for listening, and welcome to part one of my interview with Jackie Cation. Don't forget to listen to her new special, Stay Cation. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, there's a sisterhood in comedy uh, and stand-up. It uh, runs very deep, especially the female comics who all started about... 30 plus years ago. I'd say 30 plus. I'm almost at 40. You're almost at 35 or you're at 35. I think you're 84. Yeah. We never got to work together. So many of the women I interview because they would only allow one woman on a show. We never got to work together unless it was a special event. And through the sisterhood of someone who you were hanging out with in New York or you knew from LA, you would sort of, it was like, we're cousins, you know, they're cousins that you never see. And that's what our guest is to me today. I think she's hilarious. She's a true, and you know how I believe in this, a true stand-up comedian for the art of stand-up comedy, not to get something else not as a vehicle for something else. She's original. And she's hilarious. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Cation is here! Woo! Oh my God, I couldn't feel more welcome. Holy smoke, I feel welcome. Listen, Jackie, I, I want to do your podcast with Lori. You, oh, we don't have guests. Do you want to do my podcast where I have guests? Yes, the dork podcast. Yeah, where you talk about the thing you love. Yes, and here's the thing. What do you love? Airplanes? I'm going to guess you. You're, do you the fly, dork fly, fly planes? Yes. What do I love more than anything? I love to guess. And literally, okay. when, when, I, when I thought Judy Gold, I thought biplanes. You fly biplanes. So not even fucking close. I want you to fly a biplane. What do you love? It could be anything. It could be bees. It could be cross-stitch. It could okay. be astronauts. Yeah. I guess um, films about the Holocaust was taken. I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> no, I um, <laughs> trying for the will. Uh, yeah, in real um, time. There's two things I love more than anything besides human beings: swimming in the ocean. Oh, and music. 
Right. Music is too big. You got to pick Let kinds me, okay, of music. Okay, I would say learning a piece on the piano. Okay. The point where that accomplishment of learning a piece and just being able, and I don't play for other people, so I'd just be playing for my, you know, just going, yeah. wow, you know. I, I got it. I could sit okay. down and play this at any time. Is that right. what you're going for? Right, for myself, yes. Yeah. But we're not talking about me, Jackie. But I want to know about this. Swimming in the ocean, I'll ask oh. one question. Yes. Where do you park? Well, I'm in Provincetown right now. Oh, are you? Yes. You know, I lived in Provincetown for three summers. If I would have stayed, I it would have just been alcoholism. So I did not. Wow. What summers were they? Uh, 88, 89, and 90. So I bought this house in 94. Wow. Okay. And I started working here in 92. Right. So I missed, I just missed you. And I've and been you're right. There's a lot of drugs and alcohol here, especially during the wintertime. There's just a choice. The meetings or the bars. Meetings right. or the bars. A lot Meet of meetings here, apparently. Okay. Also, okay. Um, it's funny because... <laughs> <laughs> You know, in the summer, you'll have you'll see these, you know, these drag performers and these characters, and then in the winter, you go to the stop and shit, stop and shop, and yep. they're bagging groceries or or um, you know, right, right. Is it still like I literally haven't been there since ninety two, I think, and um, and I miss it with the power of the sun. Yeah. I miss it every year. Right, it's so beautiful. I uh, is there still just the one grocery store? Uh, that's Stop like and an shit. A and B. Yeah, it, a- it was gr- it was A and P. Then yeah. it was Grand Union. Right. And now uh, it's a stop and shit. We called it the goo, and now it's the stop mm-hmm. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I live there. I worked on McMillan Wharf at a hot yes. dog stand next to the surf club. Yes. Uh, I called it hot dog heaven. And uh, the guy who owned it also owned uh, Geppetto's Pizza Place in Truro. And so I lived, I, I worked at the hot dog stand from would have been June to September. And then I worked at the hot dog stand and the pizza place in the afternoon. Cause it was only open in the morning. Right. And then the pizza place at night, uh, through September, or October. And then I, uh, went to Europe with all the money I made. A lot of people do that. They make all yeah. their money and then they leave, but wait, uh, so you never performed here. Uh, they would let me go up at the surf club on my birthday every year. And I was always so hammered that they were like, you're not good at stand up." And, uh, the jug band played, uh, every night. And, uh, it was the hot dog stand. You couldn't start drinking until noon if you worked the window, but if you worked the grill, you could start at nine. Wow. Yeah. I just fuck it. And then did you live in Provincetown? Yeah. Yeah. I lived on front street. Uh, the first year yes. uh, we had a one bedroom apartment. There were five of us in a one yep. bedroom apartment stacked like cordwood. And then, uh, the next year somebody's mom owned, uh, like a beautiful condo that we lived in. And then the year was after it that, a lesbian mom, it wasn't, it was, uh, all the people that I know weirdly who lived and worked in Provincetown are straight. It was okay, very we're weird. We have to end this right now. Thank you. <laughs> it's been great. Leave. It's been fun. Um, yeah, that's so it funny. Was, right. Like if it's I was very, gonna, Yeah, there's a lot of straight people now since we 
got equality. Started letting them in. Yeah, yeah. And and it's in. Not, not not good. Not good. Um, it was not my that favorite I don't love thing. my straight people, but yeah. Well, my favorite thing to do with it, it was a foot long hot dog stand, and the drunkest of all gay men would approach, and I would get to say every time, "Don't forget to put a condiment on that." <laughs> I love right? it. Condiment. I, get it, people. If I, if I had a tiny bell, I would have rang it right after that. Well, uh, uh, the bell is the Jew bell, and we haven't said anything remotely Jewish yet. Okay, so <laughs> listen. I could have been Jewish. My father sleeps around. It's a matriarchy. Hey, okay. now. So with this question, and then I have to go back to my, my usual question. Okay. So you grew up in Wisconsin. We'll get to where and all that shit. And you went to University of Wisconsin-Madison, right? How did you end up in P-Town? All of my friends from Madison, Wisconsin, we, we bought a car for $45. What and kind? we drove to P-Town. It was, a, it was called Froggy. I don't know what the hell it was. We bought the tape deck inside. And none of your friends were lezzies? No, but one of my friends is fancy New York, Jewish, and they owned a house in Truro. Wow. A lot so, of Jews go to, you know, go to uh, Wisco. Yeah, she was, uh, I, it was uh, Jenny Bergman. She, uh, sure. And she, uh, they, her, her parents had a house in Truro and they, yes. um, and so she was like, you guys, we can get jobs. We can all live on stacked on top of each other. My parents won't let us live in their house. And uh, so we, we all shared this. It's the best place to be at that age. Yeah. At, 22. at that time. And yeah. at that time, because yeah. yeah. But then the AIDS crisis hit really bad. Okay. So, Jackie, you were born uh, in 1969. Which 65. Means, 65. Uh, 65. 65. Sorry. Yeah. Mm, I know. I don't know I why wish. I had 69 written down there, but yes, I knew it was <laughs> well, 65. I knew it was 65 because I read it. In South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you said it was a factory town. Okay. Yep. And it's not the same as... Regular Milwaukee, it's completely fucking different. We have our own water treatment plant, which here in in these troubled times, you're going to want in your own little town right there. Especially in Flint. So um, your uh, father, Elliot. Elliot Cation, no middle name. My father didn't have a middle name either. Right. (laughs) Harold Gold, you were brought up by your your, uh, stepmother, Nancy. You are the youngest of six. Terry, Philip, Scott, Russell, and Darla. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. When you have a podcast, people fill in a lot of extraneous information into the Wikipedia where you're like, you don't need to know my, my stepmother's name. But there you go. She's oh, no. Now. I, I don't. Go, I try not to go on Wikipedia. But Who'd you call? Who'd you call? I listen to interviews. I re- oh, there I, you I go. Re- I read interviews. I watch your stand up. I, vi- I visit you. So much more work than I do in the Dork Forest or Jackie and Laurie. So well, thank it's God. only because, you know why? It's because I am so fascinated by people's stories and what, and not, you know, look, you're promoting your podcast and your new, your and new album special yeah. and your yeah. album, you know, stay cashing. <laughs> um, yes, you would certainly listen to an interview because I named it Staycation in the hopes that people Cation. would pronounce Cashin. Would, would pronounce my name right. Right. But I was introduced. And, and it, it's, I said staycation, uh, but the joke is staycation, like vacation people. That's you right. Fucking idiots. <laughs> so um, your childhood, first of all, your 
half Armenian, half Irish. That's it. You know, I have a lot of friends who are half Italian, half Irish, and uh, I think Armenian and I, I think that's a good combination because you're like ethnic-y ethnic and then sure. potato. Right, right. And then super, super pale. But yeah. most of my, four, four of my siblings are dark and then my brother Scott and I are the lighter ones. We, we got the really, coloring. what does that yeah. mean? So, um, it you're means more entitled? We, we were told that we were uh found on the street, so uh, we were. T- oh, I used to get that. Here's yeah. the thing my brother and sister <laughs> used to tell me I was adopted. Now, I'm six, two, and I look exactly like my brother mm-hmm. and my parents. And they were like, no, you were adopted. They were like, oh, that person's really tall. And it was like, you know, and I believed it. Like, I fucking believed it. Because when you're the youngest, like you, you fucking believe everything they say. Now, your parents, they met when they were 16 and 17 years old, correct? Yes, truth. Uh, They started dating. Your mother got pregnant. Yep. And your dad went into the Navy, became a medic, and was... Moved to the Marines. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank you. They had six children in 10 years. Yep. Your poor mother. I know uh, it. I picture her in heaven, which is devoid of children. Right. And you talk about, or you have talked about, that even though you were the youngest of these six kids, your mother was still a baby when she had you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was a baby when she had all of them, but- yeah, she was 26 when I was born. Right. And you have to have mercy for these people eventually. So how so how old she must have been what? 17 18 when her first child was born or Yeah, yeah. I think it was 18. Okay. I have a 20-year-old and a 25-year-old and I don't want either of them. they're neither of them are ready to have children. And it's like you think of the people of our generation and you call yourself a Gen Xer a lot. And I feel like I'm a Gen Xer, but I'm the last year of baby boomer. Yeah. Don't you think I that... should be a Gen Xer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. I think that the I think that the generational thing is complete and utter bullshit. Right. Uh you remember that book Generations was the one that kind of defined it. And then that guy wrote the book The Greatest Generation. Yes, the great yeah. I've heard you talk and, about that. Yeah. yeah. And that's dumb. But I mean, I just think that. And who the fuck said your generation is the greatest fucking generation? <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> right. My brother Russ used to used to make a joke about it. He was like, like we all wouldn't have fought the Nazis. And then right. here we are. Here we are with an opportunity to fight the fight Nazis. Fight them again. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that great. Thank you. Uh-huh. Hey everyone, you know. One of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 
60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. Your parents separated yep. uh, when you were four, correct? Yep, yep. And then you ended up living with your mother in a three-bedroom. You were you and your sister, Darla, uh, were in the living room area, yep. correct? And then, yep. like, the rest are... Str- and you're in this three-bedroom apartment, six kids, and your mother, who's not yep. functioning correctly. She's um, tired. She's very, she's very tired. tired. Six kids. I mean, can you fucking imagine you're 30 years old and you have six kids in it. I mean, I don't know how the fucking, what's that, what's her name? Suleiman with the fucking 87 kids. Right. My mom was working at a place called Lloyd's Lunch, which was this uh, diner in mm-hmm. South Milwaukee. And um, she would have these jobs that were weird. Like she worked at the neon, the, we have a neon sign factory in South Milwaukee. And she worked at that factory for a while. And then she worked at the at Lloyd's lunch for a while. And it was just, it was just brutal. So uh, I think she was just grinding it out and she wasn't good with money. Huge shocker. Uh, your, your, your money skills aren't great when you start uh, being given a check when you're 18 going, all right, you take care of all this. I'm going to, I'm going to go to work. Right. And, and my, my dad, he didn't, he was like, he just did what his dad had done, which was give his check to my, to, to my grandfather. Gave but that's check. so that generation. That's so that yeah. generation. Yeah. And my grandmother was 40 when my dad was born. Oh, my mother was 41. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she knew how to, and she had lived through the genocide. Right. And she knew how to, she had a garden. Right. I mean, <laughs> she was, she was recycling before recycling in the right. 40s. Come on. And uh, so, but my, my mother she was 18. She was 20. She was 25. And she would do these things where she didn't know she would have a lot of money and then she would have no money. She was stuck with six kids alone. You know, my grandmother helped a little bit. The neighbors were kind of there, but mostly we just ran free. And she was like, I gotta, I gotta, I need a hobby. And so she started drinking and, uh, and then it was, they parted ways and, 
everyone's always surprised that we all turned out okay. Right? I know it's amazing. It's amazing when when we'll get into it, but I, it's yeah. just really amazing how functioning you you are. And your sister's like, you know, a badass, like chef, and then like big into money and financial. Yeah, yeah. Is she a lesbian? Your sister. My sister uh, is a lesbian. Yes, I knew is. it. I looked her up and I was like, "That it, she, if she's not a lesbian, her hair is." So, love <laughs> you, Darla. her shoes, Darla. I love you, Darla. Yeah, and she's a she's a she works at RBC Dan Rauscher. She's a, a financial uh, advisor, yeah. socially, and she's on all these boards. She used to do like development for um for nonprofits. Yeah, and then at one point she was like, "What if I just become rich and just be on the boards?" And why didn't uh, I think of that, Jackie? Yeah. Because uh-huh. I need fucking attention and I have to fucking do this shit. You know, I, you know, I don't know if you think like this, but I, I always, there's so many people now. I'm, I just turned 59. Happy birthday. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, I know yours is in July and I'll wish it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if you do this, but I look at these, there's so many people I know now who are at the end of their careers that they mm-hmm. decided to, they chose, and are talented m- musicians who, you know, put that aside. Or ta- they always wanted to be a chef, but they blah, blah, blah. And now they're doing it, and they're rich. And it's really <laughs> fucking annoying. You know what I mean? And I look at them, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, you're going to do stand-up comedy now? I fucking suffered like an asshole on the road for like how many fuck? And you're like rich and like, fuck you. It's so annoying. Well. Okay. You, you could be positive. Look, right. Yeah. I was, I was going to be positive and just go, what? I mean, here's what I would love for you is for you to play the piano publicly. I would like that too. I mean, I do it in better things. And. I've always had, the, and my mother, oh, she wanted me to do that so badly, and my father. Yeah. But, but I have to figure out a way to incorporate <laughs> the two different sides of my personality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're a, you get to be a whole person, Judy Gold. No, you get to have I can't. I can't show the, the vulnerable, um, you can't. classical. Yes, I can. I, I mean, I got to figure it out, because yeah. Zach Fal- Galifianakis figured it out. Anyway, but right. the point is... That Yeah, so I have a little resentment for the people who were very responsible because, their whole first life. of all, I was fighting it. You know, I'm a Jew, so it was like no one in my family went into showbiz. It was all, you know, you know, doctors, I'm a lawyers, lawyer. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, CPA, actuary, uh, insurance, blah, um, <laughs> you know, you suffer. And I was like, no, I'm going to, no. I'm going to make it. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it's just. I would argue that you have made it. Jackie. That you are very, very successful. Thank you, Jackie. I would. I, that's what I would argue. And I would say this is Elliot Cation, when we were children, yeah. he said, you might as well try because I'm going to make fun of you in if any he, case. Right. He's like, if you're successful, I'm going to like, hey, big shot. And if you're not success, and if you're not successful, I'm like, well, you had to try. And I mean, he's like, he was like, he literally is, he is the most optimistic dude. He, he is the weirdest relationship with money that I've ever, like my entire family. It's because of his gambling. 
he literally thinks that money is something to be spent and then you go out and make more money. When I was like 14 or 15, he actually said to me, there will always be more money. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, because I have six kids and there has to be. I got to go. And then uh, <laughs> he, is, he is literally, you know, I used to do this bit about how he's a lot like radiation. We never saw him when we were kids, but he affected all of our lives. <laughs> and so he is, he is literally, he's just a guy who's like, well, you, and he was there for my family financially. What's like, so, he was like it, a, yeah, it's, it's interesting because you, you say you had no structure with your mother. Right. Um, I'm curious as to her parents, where were they? What was their situation? The, well, they're, you know, Irish Catholic and they had a lot of kids and they hated my dad. And so my father is a big bridge burner. You know, they're just like, like my stepmother died. He was uninvited to the funeral. He was not allowed. And they had lived together like lesbians for about 12 years <laughs> after they got divorced. <laughs> they were, they were married for like 25 years. My dad uh, had an affair for nine years. And you know what my dad had to say about it? Wow. Not nine years in a row. <laughs> and then, yes, they divorced. And they were divorced and they lived together for like another dozen years until Nancy Cation finally figured out how to get him out of the house, which was she started dating a guy. She, uh, he calls me up. He's like, you know, she's dating uh, Bob the window washer. And I was like, she's dating a window washer? And he's like, yeah. But, and then he blows it off and he goes, I've been playing cards with that guy for 30 years. Now I can't play cards with that guy. And I said, oh, good for her. Good for her, dad. And he yeah. goes, why? I was like, dad, move. Get out of the house. And you and cheated. You cheated, yeah. dad. You're the guy. You're the, you're the, you're the dick in this. Right. You're the bad guy in, the, right. in this story. I'm so sorry. And then I find out that Bob, the window washer, owns a professional window washing company. Oh. Uh, he, like all those giant skyscrapers yes the guy who, he, he owns the company he's yes. not washing the fucking windows Elliot. no he's not a 75 year old guy who uh, climbs on a ladder and right. washes your windows okay so really i mean i do i i think i mean your your mother did a lot of drugs i mean a lot of drinking and <laughs> i don't know about drugs and, i don't know about drugs but she was 33 she was on a harley davidson with her boyfriend yep harold harold that's I feel for Harold. Her yeah. Harold, my, my brothers liked Harold, you know. Really? They, uh, Did he, yeah. Harold live with you before? No, they were boyfriend, girlfriend. But but my brother feels like, I think I think they were going to get married. I think that uh, right. she was going to finally get a divorce. But she was Catholic. Right. And my dad was Armenian. And it was 1969. And we right. didn't get a divorce, right? Right. Was Harold like a functioning adult or I mean, would he have been able to support the kid? I the think man? so. He, well, he could afford a Harley Davidson in 1972. Right. right? And they yeah. have never been cheap. So I think he had an okay job, but they were both super drunk. Right. So he and, was a big drinky drinkerson too. And they got the, an alcohol related accident where they flipped off an overpass onto the highway below and got run over. But he lived. He lived. But he was, uh, I believe, in traction for the for the funeral. He did not make the funeral. And so you were seven years old, and your mother is killed. I had just turned eight. Okay, is, is, is how I've been eight. corrected by 
any number of my, my, cause I do a joke about it. And, um, both my dad and a couple of my brothers are like, you were, you had just turned eight. She had just turned 34. And I was like, you know what, you know what I'm doing here? Stand up comedy. Leave me alone. (laughs) I was like, the joke doesn't work if she's 34. The joke works if she's 33. So fuck you. And I could have my own truth. Exactly. Do you (laughs) remember when they told you? Oh God, it was, it, here's the thing is we didn't see my dad because my father didn't want to pay child support to my mom because she was not spending the money on us. She was just spending the money because she was 30. Right. And she was partying like she had last resort kind of thing. And so my dad was giving money to my grandmother and all of my siblings were eating over there. So I never, how how close was she? Probably a mile and a half. Oh, so right. I, okay. And my brother, Phil, used to cook for me to this day. Not a huge fan of buttered noodles. Because uh, <laughs> remember, I'm five years old, which right. makes, I think, 12 or 13. Right, right, right. And so, um, like, Darling would get us all up for school. And Phil would cook. And then, and my brother, Russ, one time, he said, you know, Terry was 14 when they got separated. There was a leadership vacuum that he should have taken advantage of. He should have stepped up. And I said, he did take advantage of it. He was 14. He got laid. He did a lot of drugs. He enjoyed himself. He was 14. He gets to. And, uh, and so, so my dad and my, so my, my dad and my, and the, and the state trooper came the day after the day after she died, right? After the accident. But you knew, you knew she, you hadn't known yet. So that day she just didn't come home and you were like, oh, mom didn't come home. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So um, they come in. We're all sitting on the couch. We're in this room, the, the, the living room. And uh, the TV had a was free. It had a bullet hole in the screen, Judy. This is like uh, it's like a scene out of a movie. What? But the, it still worked. It, it worked. worked. And it had a bullet yeah. hole in the yeah, screen. Yeah, just the screen had a bullet hole. It Like it didn't hit the tube or anything. So but the uh, so you could watch. <laughs> television anyway where so was the sitting, hole was it in the middle the right on the, the right left? it was upper okay. upper left actually upper, okay. left. upper left okay yeah okay. <laughs> i needed that visual okay it, it, it's uh would have been great if it would have been where that you know remember that the boo yes 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 that yes. would have been kind of great yeah but uh so we're all sitting on the couch and i'm sitting next to my brother russ dad my dad and the uh, state trooper come in to tell me uh to tell us all and i turned to russ i'm like who's the other guy and Russ hits me and he goes, that's dad, dummy. And I was like, oh. No wow. way. Yeah. Didn't recognize him. Hadn't and seen him in how long? Hadn't seen him in three years. I was four Crazy. when they parted. Yeah. And Russ was the only one who saw him because Russ was essentially the mule of the money. Right. He would have lunch with my dad like once a week in Cudahy, the next town over. <laughs> and then he would bring like a paper bag full of cash to my grandmother. <laughs> no way. I guess. I don't, I, that's what I picture. Oh my God. I just want to hug you. Okay. I know. I've done so, some reparenting. I've done okay. some reparenting. Okay. okay. So you, you're sitting there, your siblings freak out and you're like, wait, what? Like, cause you're so young, but yet you're not so young to not yeah. understand. So the next, uh, that's the one scene. I only remember, I have like four or five memories right. from, from this time, right? Of course, from, yeah. Even, like, I don't have any good memories of my mother, which is right. a pity. 
Right. Because there's absolutely no way that she wasn't a good person. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> right. Know? And my oldest brothers actually have really good stories about her. Uh, but nobody ever mentioned her after she died. That's so Jewish. Okay. It's, it's like, it's literally, it's literally, they'd be like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So right. nobody said anything. And I was like, but I don't get any information on this person. Right. And her family cut us off. So we, I never got, I didn't know, like my brother Scott would occasionally meet, I think with our uncle David, uh, her brother. And I never met him. Uh, and then, uh, and I've never met any of them. There was, a, I have a cousin named Ryan. Crazy. It's weird. But, um, but then I, the next memory I have is of the funeral. And I remember there being a lot of shouting and yelling. And I, and I've been told since that it was her family yelling at my dad and my brother, Terry, my oldest brother, Terry yelling at my dad. And, and why uh, were they yelling at your dad? Well, they, they assumed her. that it was right. Cause oh. it was his fault. But here's the other thing about it. My step, my mother was not only a drinky drinkerson, she was also super violent and she used to hit my dad a lot. Wow. And so there was absolutely no reason for him to stay. Right. It would have been nice if he would have taken us with him. But, but I, you know, in, in the end, you're like, well, he's 30, you know, if she's 30, he's 32. Right. And, uh, and so he ends up dating my stepmother. And never telling her that he has six kids. Right. And that's the, I love that. And she comes in and, you know, you're living in chaos. You lived for, yes. for eight years in just utter chaos. Yes. And, you know, in a way, thank God for your siblings, you know. Yes, very much uh, so. I mean, you really. I think my brother Terry and Philip, maybe Scott a little bit, got a childhood. And then I got a childhood. Right. And I and got a childhood because of them. Right. So they come in, uh, your, your stepmother comes in, she's Austrian. She's, no, she's not. Oh. She, the, the joke is that it's, she's a great loss to the Austrian army. But you said she Italian, had a lot of, yeah, okay. Italian and Polish. Okay. I see what you're saying, but I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when I, when you said that, I got the exact picture of structure structure and she's 26 years old which is how old your mother was when you were born and here's a 26 year old who is functioning you know and and she's she's i think the fourth of fifth kid five kids nancy cation oh really yeah so she she had those 10 years from 16 to 26 where she could grow up you know right and and her parents were were there for her. Her dad died when she was like 12 or 13, I think. But um maybe, so maybe she 14. it was like sort of the perfect fit. You right. know? Well she did the work, right? Right. She was like she loved my dad so much that she was like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. And she never wanted kids. She used to tell us that a little too often. But she was like, well, we're going to, there's going to be structure. You're going to learn how to clean the house and do your homework. And I'm going to make a boatload of food that isn't particularly good because she wasn't a good cook. Right, she didn't right. like to do it. And, um, but in the end, you know, the childhood that I had, that second, that second child that I had with her, that structure really, like my grandmother used to talk about how she saved our lives. And in many right. ways, 
she did, you know, and like my brother Russ and my Darla, my sister Darla are kind of the same person in the way that they were, when they were born, they were like, they hate chaos. Right. And they both looked around and went, well, this has got to go. How do I get out of this? And so my brother Russ hung out almost exclusively with my grandmother during those years. Right. And saved his money, had a bike, like a little Norman Rockwell childhood that he created out of, from movies that he insisted that he have from when he was about eight. He was like, what does he do now? He's an econ professor at the university of Wisconsin, Whitewater. And he's essentially, he calls himself the hee haw economist because he does a lot of Wisconsin, uh, right. Uh, like uh, corn, ginseng, like right. what the what it what it what the production in Wisconsin, how it affects right. the global economy. Right. Anyway, so, but he and he has two children, and he is, he's very he's he's a good person, right? And like he's, he's a hands-on all, father, very much so. And he always wanted to be uh, Michael J. Fox, Alex P. Keaton. Yeah, he always wanted to be Alex P. Keaton. So he's always been a Republican. A Republican, the worst Republican. He's he hasn't voted Republican since before Obama. Wow. As he says, well, it's not like he's a liberal. Right. And you're like, stop talking. Just right. tell me. And and he always and he is a button pusher and he can be a jackass. Right. But, uh, but he is always he is incredibly philanthropic and incredibly. He's just, he'll stand up. He won't stand for any nonsense. He's like right. an old timey TV dad right. in his mind and in real life. Like he coached, his sons were played football in middle school and he started coaching football in middle school. And much like your friends, he was like, why haven't I been doing this? Right, right, right. Because he loves it and he still does it. Like they're right. in their early twenties now. And he coaches middle school. And he said that he was coaching this last season. And one of his, one of his kids that his team was out on the field. They were playing another team in Milwaukee. Uh, and a kid runs off the field to him. And it's one of the, uh, the kid is black. Right. And Russ is like, what's going on? Why'd you run off the field? He said, the kid opposing me just called me the N word. And he said, what should I do? And Russ goes, punch him. You're not Jackie Robinson. You're not being paid to take this. Right. You're 12. You get to punch people now. And he's like, really? And he's like, yeah, there's absolutely no reason to stand for that. And so he sends him back out on the field. He calls his dad down from the stands. His dad's in the Air Force. And so his dad goes, what's happening? All of a sudden, there's a big scrum out in the field. And his, the kid's dad goes, what's happening? And Russ goes, the, the uh, opposing kid called your son the N-word. And uh, the, the dad is like, what? And so the referee heard it. Punished Russ's team, my brother's team, 15 yards and the kid for unsportsmanlike behavior, another 15 yards. So after the game, Russ lined his team up on the side of the the thing and wouldn't let them shake hands with the other team. And so the head ref comes over and he goes, I'm going to kick you guys out of the league for unsportsmanlike behavior. And Russ goes, we can find a new league in about four minutes. You're going to fire that ref. And they said that they fired the ref. They might have just Catholic churched him, right? But so they go into the locker room and Russ says to the rest of the team, he's like, how many of you guys heard what was said to our kid? And like three kids raise their hand. He goes, there's absolutely no reason you don't, you get your, you got to have his back on the field, off the field. You got to, you got to stand up. He could be obnoxious, 
but he's not ever a he's not a bad person. He's such a good person. Right. I'm just happy to be related to him sometimes, you know? You know, I had a other similar... times he's a dick. Anyway, go ahead. Well, similar <laughs> thing happened with Henry and baseball. I don't know if I've ever Laura probably knows if I've ever told the story, but Henry was playing baseball in the West Side Little League and he was a catcher. Anyway, one of the kids called him a faggot. And my kids don't take that shit. Um, and so I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you would raise your children to stand up for themselves. God damn so. it. So Henry <laughs> is like, don't you call me a faggot? I have two moms. Uh, my moms are lesbians. Don't you ever, whatever. And the coach from the other team came over and apologized, went back to his team, and came out to his team. Oh, my God. Bling! That's, and that's why you do it. Right! So Represent it, and you have to have each other's back. And you can't ignore this shit. Okay. It doesn't make any sense to ignore it because it's not going away. Right. Jackie, I have a question. It's a Judy question. Okay. Did you love Nancy Cation? Yes. And here's the thing about that is that. That's the stepmother for the listeners in case. Yeah. It's, it's literally, I mean. Nancy Cation, I have so much. She did things wrong, right? She well, was not yeah. perfect. And right. she was, you know, I mean, I, my older siblings had, you know, in some ways, Nancy took over Phil's job. She took over Darla's job. And my older brothers were feral, right? Like Terry and Bill and Scott, they had raised themselves. Right. And they're like, you're not going to tell me I have to be on with five. Right. And she was super strict and she was. And quite honestly, she was a little cold. So she was not it wasn't lovey dovey at all. She rarely told us that she loved us until it was tough love. Yeah. Until we were out of the house and she's like, I love you kids so much. And you're like, you have never said that to us. Right. And so it was hard for anybody to really believe it. Do you think but, that she thought if she told you that a lot, you would take advantage of her? Well, she did have my father as an example. Uh, so uh, yeah. probably she probably thought that there would be even more expectations on her. Right. Did you, and she was already trying to fulfill so many things. And you definitely felt a child's love for your mother, your biological mother, correct? No, you didn't. No, no. Here's the thing is I barely knew her at all. And what right. I knew of her was violence. Right. So one of the biggest guilt trips of my life was not being sorry that she was dead. Wow. That's fucking heavy. It was heavy. When you're 12 right. wandering around, I used to walk. When Nancy came, she was like, you can go wherever you want in this town. You just got to be home by five. Right. And then after dinner and you days? do dishes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you do dishes and there was a chart, right? Some people wash, some people dried. If you washed, you had to sweep the floor. If you dried, you had to wipe down all the surfaces. Um, 
and and it was strict. Like Darla was in charge. If you washed, you had to take out the garbage. If you forgot, you had to take out the garbage the next day as well. And if you forgot that it was exponential. So eventually Darla took out the garbage for four, for the last four years she lived. (laughs) And when the day she turned 18, she moved out. And I have to say and this place was full of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you will find this interesting how we found out that Darla was gay. Darla told me she was gay. And I was like, what does it mean? And she's like, I just, I like women, Jackie. That's what I'm saying. I just want you to know, cause it's going to come out in the paper. And I was like, what? And she said, I'm on the gay rights uh, commission for the state of Wisconsin with the governor. And, um, she was 18, 19 years old. And um, love her. So I get a call from my Aunt Alice saying, that's just Darla being weirdly political, right? She's not really gay. And I was like, no, nope, think she's gay. And Nancy. <laughs> Alice Cation? Alice Cation, my, yeah. my 95-year-old great aunt. Uh-huh. And uh, she were a great cousin, but whatever. But the thing is, is, um, but Nancy and my dad, Nancy was like, we don't care that you're gay, Darla. We're, we, we care that you, we have to find out through the paper. Right. And now we have to tell our, you know, everyone is like, is this true? And we're like, I guess she didn't tell us. And uh, so, I mean, and the thing is, is there was there was a lack of, you know, my dad did the same thing he did with my mother. He gave Nancy the money and then. It was it, right? Right. And he didn't care. So it was, you know, but the thing is about, about all of this that I, is so compelling and fascinating is that your sister and brother were student body president. Oh yeah. You were the editor of the school newspaper. Yep. They grew up in chaos. Yeah. But there's had to be something. It because was the they're... it was the church and my grandmother, my my dad's mom and the Armenian Church, and Nancy Cation. Literally, we would go. It was the church really saved my brother Russ a great deal. And then, um, and we went every Sunday. One of my favorite stories is they got a new Sunday school teacher when I was about nine or ten, and um, Darla and I were in Sunday school. And this it was this woman was like an event like more fire and brimstone evangelical right and she was telling us how how sin worked and how essentially she was trying to explain karma Mm -hmm. and she was saying that it was instantaneous and that the devil would get you and you would break a leg and darla laughed in her face (laughs) and (laughs) and and told her to to go to church instead of go to sunday school and darla was like she turned to me she was like you want to just go to church and I said, all right, we'll go to church. So, because church in the Armenian church is three and a half hours. Oh my God. It's like, it's like uh, the Jewish, the, the synagogue. It's too it's, long. It's too it's long. It's so long. Like Saturday morning, you're there for three fucking, three and a half, nine to 1230. You know that Darla converted to Judaism. I love you, Darla. <laughs> she did. How come she converted? Because her girlfriend, wife, partner, whatever, uh, wanted kids and the, the synagogue didn't care that they were lesbians. They cared that Darla wasn't Jewish. Right. That you have and a so, Jewish home. Yeah. And they have two kids and uh, a boy and a girl. What girl are their names? Boy. Noah's the girl. She's 14. And uh, Judah's 11. Wait. So does she practice Judaism? Oh, you know when somebody converts. Yeah. Oh, they're the, be- they're the best they're Jews. The best, she's the best Jew. 
Yes, they're very good. Darl, I love you. <laughs> Shabbat shalom. Um, she's coming tomorrow actually oh my god tell her i said hi so your father was a salesman you're you're, um carrie sells jesus phil sells printing scott sells commodities darla's a financial advisor and i sell jokes and you sell jokes and you went to university of wisconsin madison which is an excellent school Better um, now than it was then, but it, it well, was every school. school Don't then. you think yeah. every school yeah. is better now than it was then? And not everyone went to college. I mean, this generation was the first generation of your family to go to college, right? To finish uh, high school, right? So yeah. the fact that these kids are all educated beyond high school, yeah, it is- was. Russ was the first one. He was like, "I'm going to college." And he talked to the, to the, you know, the, uh, the advisor, like the guidance yeah, yeah, counselor the, the in high school. Counselor, yeah. And he was like, I don't want to take shop. I want to take calc. And he was like, your family doesn't take calc. You guys take shop. And Russ goes, I'm taking calculus. I'm taking advanced English. I'm going to college. And Mr. H- Hansen was like, was it Hansen or Harris? What the hell was his name? It doesn't matter. He was oh, like, thanks. okay. Uh, he's like, Jesus. All right. Well, watch you fail. And Russ did not fail. And he was, he was the, uh, he was the manager of the football team and he, you know, and he was great. And then Darla comes along and they wanted to take, uh, home ec. Oh, wait, fucking classes. Wait a minute. I remember. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, I wanted to take shop. I wanted to take shop. Was not allowed. Well, look, I've shown this before. When I bought this house, okay, you see those? Yeah. Okay. When I bought this house, my mother is like, I have a housewarming gift for you. These are candlesticks I made in seventh grade shop that she <gasps> saved. Oh my God, your mom made those? No, I made them in seventh oh, grade did. shop you and did. she saved them. I hated hated home ec. I fucking hated that shit. I can't believe it. But it's so, I just find it fascinating. The, the level of that they, that they were individuals that they, you know, they stuck up for themselves. They saw a better path. They didn't get stuck in this negativity that it's, I mean, I will say that my father is the author they all have of constant, optimism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My father is the author, I think, of all of my optimism in my life. The guy's a glass half full. Every and, and literally will say every day is a holiday, every meal is a feast, a day with Elliot is a good day. And you're like, all right, but he's not wrong. <laughs> so. Right. But it's also, I mean, and I came from negativity, negative everything. You can be happy now, but in 15 minutes, something horrible is gonna happen. So yeah. do not rejoice. And that is exactly how I grew up. Like, you know, yeah. and it's from trauma. It's from previous trauma and previous generations. But it's like, don't allow yourself to feel good because, you know, tomorrow it's going to be shit. Well, and, uh, and, the, and the attitude that uh, I was raised with is more of a, um, it's like, things were horrible. They don't want you to be happy. Screw those guys. Right. And it was, you better be happy. You better figure out. Uh, and if you're not happy, pretend you're happy. 
until it's you're just happy. amazing because it's what yeah. every book says. Every book on success is basically be optimistic. Be look at the always look at the Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Jackie Cation. Just a doll. I loved, I loved spending time with her. Kill Me Now podcast with Judy Gold is produced by Laura Vogel. It is edited by Colin Schmeling. And my life uh, would be nothing without Brittany Jo Sowards. If you like, I, I, I don't know why I say this every week, but since you like my podcast, can you please subscribe and leave a review? Please. It helps more people find it. Subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Please. I want to keep doing them because I love, I love people's stories. Come see me. I will be in Aruba December 13, 15, 17. I will be at Stand Up New York on Christmas Day or Christmas night of Christmas Day on December 25th. And I will be in Carmel, Indiana at Feinstein's on January 15th and various other places in between. So check me out on Twitter at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, on Instagram at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, on TikTok at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm a Jew. Listen, Hanukkah's over, but I hope everyone had a lovely Hanukkah. Please get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, there's something really wrong with you. Get boosted. Be safe over the holidays. Wear a mask. Just don't be around your fucking dumb relatives and friends who are fucking anti-science. Okay? Just don't do it because they're fucking assholes. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I love you. And if you're still listening right now, I love you even more because I can't even imagine anyone listens till the end. And I love you. And as we always say, so long. Oh, my God.